Welcome to Archery Country Podcast. Welcome back, all you archery gurus, to Archery Country Podcast. As your host, Wade, as we are rocking and rolling with probably one of my favorite podcasts of the year. Uh, dear to my heart as far as a company and probably one of the most successful companies that we run through the shop. We are all about Matthews today. Uh, the new release, we had a, a rating podcast went out a week ago, and uh, now we're sitting with Mr. Mark Hayes, our design engineer manager from Matthews. How you doing, Mark? Hey, Wade. I'm good. How are you? Very, very good, man. We've been hearing you quite a bit on different podcasts where we're, the videos are awesome. You had a very successful year uh, putting these bows to the test. Congratulations on all that. Yeah, thank you. The You know, the testing situations that we have here, the proving ground, that's a pretty special thing. You know, we take it super serious and we're happy to be part of it as an engineering team because it does translate into better designs for the consumer. Absolutely. I got to ask you, since you're on celebrity status now with your uh, huge elk kill on video and your whitetail success and then being on all these other videos and being the engineer, does it ever get boring signing autographs and being the celeb? <laughs> if I start having to sign autographs, I'm quitting, Wade. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's, it's good. Oh, we are all passionate about the Matthews brand, and so – it's fun to talk about because it's what we live every day and it's what we think about even when we go home. So yeah, part of the, the deal definitely, but uh, at the core of it is just our love for what we're doing here and what we continue to try to do. And you guys do such a good job about it. And you know, we, we sell a lot of bows in this shop and uh, being kind of in the heart of Matthew's country, we notice more and more guys that are going out west are starting to make the transition very easily into Matthews. Um, and I think that that is a, a, a plod back to you guys is it's not just a tree stand bow. It's not just a ground blind bow. You guys always seem to have two or three releases, you know, uh, axle to axle this day and age, a lot of people talk about. And I think there's a huge misconception in the archery world. Both you and I are target archers and avid hunters. So sometimes we can overlook that aspect, but your average day consumer, um, you know, it's been kind of imprinted for the last decade or so that the longer the axle axle bow, the more stable. And I'm here to tell you guys, after shooting Matthews the last five or six years, and Mark, you can attest to this, it has a lot more to do with your riser length than it has anything to do with your axle. Your axle axle comes into play when you say string angle, being acute or obtuse, but a riser, a longer riser, the stability platform is humongous. Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, that's kind of the trend we've been going, and we started on our target side. You know, a long riser, short limb bow is more stable, and that's where your stability comes from is that rigid portion, the riser. And so we try to maximize that rigid portion, um, and then on our hunting bows, because the limbs and the axles, and the cams, those are the things you're trying to miss your tree arm with or your stick or the brush or the ground or whatever situation that you're in. It's those cams that are hanging out on those axles that we need compact. So on the hunting bow, that's what we're doing. We're maximizing the stiff, rigid portion of the riser to get your stability and feel on target and during the shot of a target bow, but 
still crunch that axle-to-axle down by preloading those limbs so much um, to keep it maneuverable. You know, our longbow this year is a 33, and we also have a 29. Um, you know, if you're looking at like a halon, let's say, the 29 has a riser as long as a halon 32. And so that's where the stability in that is coming from. Those preloaded limbs just allow us to just extend that riser, um, you know, past what was possible in years past. And, you know, the 33 is actually longer than some of our target bows on the riser side. So very stable, very forgiving uh, platforms just in that, just because of that rigid portion of the riser. And for some of our listeners out there who are, you're maybe not, down the rabbit hole as much as others when we're talking about stability for those of you that are shooting uh, pins and you notice at longer distance your pin is doing a figure eight there's a lot of movement on maybe a previous bow where we always for the longest time we'd run longer stabs and even in a hunting situation a longer stab and then a back bar or a side bar mount now with that you notice these longer risers your pin doesn't really do a figure eight anymore it's going to do a small u right you know right on your target or right below your target and it's creating a more user-friendly environment where guys maybe didn't even realize that they were they were moving a ton and in a four inch group at 40 yards now is an inch group at 40 yards and we're kind of getting away from having the 15 inch bar on the front and a 10 on the back, you know, and I know when we look at your setup, Mark, um, your is, is light and, and you don't really run a huge bar because the stabilization there is what you're, what you're looking for. Yeah, exactly. So stability is twofold. Um, you know, one is just like you said, you're aiming. And then when you launch your arrow, there's a lot of dynamics going on. You're accelerating that arrow obviously very quickly. And so the whole bow is going to, absorb that and maybe rock or move or, or whatever. But Matt has a really good, uh, our owner, Matt McPherson, lead designer, he's got a really good analogy. And it's just a broomstick with two weights on it. If you put those weights in the middle and you swing that thing back and forth really fast, you can swing it pretty easily. But you, as soon as you move those weights to the outside of that broomstick and try to rotate that thing real fast, um, it's a lot harder and you're a lot slower. And so, like, that's where the dynamic ability will come from too. As soon as you launch that arrow, that bow is going to want to rock. But if if the whole thing is stable, long, rigid, it's not going to rock hardly at all before that arrow gets through. And you can imagine a shorter riser, even if it's a longer axle by axle, that rigid portion is so small that that whole thing could, boom, take that rock. And that's where you would want to run pretty heavy stabilizer, longer bars. Just you're increasing the moment of inertia, which is just get the weight as far away from the middle as possible. And that's what you're doing with a stabilizer. But you're right. With these longer risers, inherently in the design, the thing is more stable on target when you're aiming and during the dynamic shot process. Perfect way to lay it out. We talked the V3X29, the V3X33. Um, before we get into the platform and the cams, which I really want to talk about, have you guys, and I know you can't really spill the beans as we're already talking about next year, but this year's bow, where do you get the, the 33, the 29 last year was 31 and 27. And the year before that was 31 and a half and 28. Like, is it, is it just the engineering process you guys go through and make a ton of, you know, prototypes until you find the perfect, or is it a number that's 
this year I want to, you know, match what we did three years ago. Or where do you, where's that idea come from? Yeah. So this year I, in my opinion, the bow is perfectly named. Then it's the V3X. And last year we had the V3 and it is an extension of an award-winning platform, which was in the V3. The V3 was the longest riser to axle to axle ratio of bow we've ever had. We had some features like the center guard um, that really changed the out-of-the-box tuning, made that easier. And that thing was a phenomenal bow for everyone that shot it. And whether you're shooting the 27 or the 31, and that idea um, still holds true in the V3X. We did not touch the life of that bow um, because it was so good. And so the 29 and the 33 are really just filling the gaps that we had. So we had a 27 and 31. We split that in the middle um, because there's a lot of people that, although the 27 shot amazing, that's the one I shot, they're just, Man, that seems small for them. And so, like, the 29 would fit right in the middle. And the and the 33 is something that we've been asked about for a long time. We've been hesitant to do it because of how long the riser actually is when you hold it. Uh, but the demand was there, no doubt. And so the, the four V3 bows um, were just kind of rounding out the line is where the, the axle to axle came from. Now, we did do something unique on the 33 and gave it a little bit longer brace height. Um, we truly believe that thing is a good crossover bow um, for target. And, um, you know, the Out West Hunter just cares a lot about stability, forgiveness, all that stuff. So we gave it a six and a half inch brace height um, in that bow just as an added feature um, because we know that c customer that's looking at a bow like that cares solely about stability. And I, and I love the you know when we shoot target bows we talk about forgiveness and sometimes that word gets overlooked in the hunting aspect uh right now if you look at the shop just the, the trend like you saying there was a ton of demand for a longer you know back in the day we had the traverse and uh, every year you know some of our long draw shooters or some of our bigger guys or just guys that like the crossover setup were like well i hope they do something in that 32 to 34 range and then we had the TRX 34, which was a hybrid, a target rig that some of our guys shot. But the 33, you know, when we got our huge shipment, which applaud to you guys for doing that, like we're, we're down to one. We have one 33 left on the rack until our next shipment comes. And it's just been a huge hit um, early. And we have a lot of guys that are shooting leagues and are, you know, then their first hunt is going to be, besides turkey hunting, is going to be that August, September elk hunt out west. Um, it's still very, you know, light for an aspect of a bigger bow and that brace height. Sometimes when we say brace height, it gets overlooked like we talked about, but it's, it's going to be a very forgiving setup, especially if your, your yardages are past 40. Now, you know, depending ethically, if, if you don't feel comfortable, that's fine. But you, you know, a lot of the trend now in archery is shooting longer distances, especially for practice. And you have your tack shoots and your bow fest and your 3D shoots out there where, you know, even, even the guys setting up the range are setting longer targets. And it's way easier with a bow like that. And, and I'm not taking anything away from the 29. It's a phenomenal bow. You can go out and shoot, you know, a 30X game with it as well. But uh, it's, a, it's a huge area that you guys fit perfect. Yeah, and it, there's definitely, I think... All that you said there is just proof, again, that there is a demand for that longer bow. Um, and, and something that we have been doing the past few years is it's a fully featured longer bow. Um, you know, you mentioned the Traverse. 
that um, didn't have all the updates to the main line. It's important for us now um, that this isn't a niche bow. This is a flagship bow. has every technology that we put into our flagship bow, and we launched two sizes of them. And we found that, you know, that is a, a winning recipe for us um, right now because there are demands for each one. I've always been a short axle axle guy. I probably will always be that. But like you said, we both shoot target. We understand the benefits of, of that. So having the option there um, is important and fully featured is the key. And I, I want to touch on that. It kind of leads us right into the direction when we talk award-winning platform. The cross-centric cam has been, with the switch weight technology, has been like nobody's touched it, right? And I want you to explain a little bit between some other companies, Model X that has a rotating mod and the switch weight mod. The cams, you, you had to change just a little bit. We have a, what we call a stay of field system, which when we get into accessories, we'll elaborate on that, or we can talk about it now. Uh, revolutionary. You've, there's no company in the world that's ever done this. Um, as far as the, the way the cam is engineered and the switch weight, if you wouldn't mind just talking a little bit, I know it's old news to some, but it's still something that needs to be touched on. Yeah, so individual mods are um, something that we feel very strongly about. You know, it's hard on us. We have to design and cut and inventory and all of that. Same with you guys, all the different mods. However, the end consumer, what they get is heads and shoulders better than anything else you could get. I we hear a lot about a rotating mod, and we understand rotating mods. We have them on our mission boat. Mm -hmm. The problem with rotating mod is they are designed at 30 inches to hit an IBO speed. Every draw length you go down from 30 inches, you are losing performance, and you're losing it in the form of stored energy. Your draw force curve changes. We're not willing to accept that. Um, on our bow. We want a 27-inch guy to get as much performance out of his bow as physically possible, and that means he needs an individual mod made just for that um, draw length to get the perfect curve. In addition to that, what we launched with switchway mods, and we've had it now for a, a few years, is that person can now shoot his limb bolts all the way down and pick the right weight and have a perfectly formed draw force curve. So literally, no matter what weight you're shooting, whether it's 75, 70, 65, or 60 pounds, you can have your limb bolts all the way down, which will help store the most energy, be the most efficient in, in the draw force curve. You have a curve that fits perfectly for you, and you can shoot. So, so for the first time, really, this guy is shooting the best performance that he could get. And I, I challenge people to put our bows up against in a speed test against ones that maybe even IBO faster than ours, check them at a real world draw length, your actual setup and your actual draw weight. Um, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. And it's, it's very easy, very easy to switch out. Um, some companies out there, some pro shops out there, um, they take care of you. We take care of you. If you purchase a bow, you can switch it out. Some guys, you know, let's let's go turkey hunting, and we're on a two-month run from Nebraska to South Dakota to Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, wherever you're turkey hunting, and you want to shoot 60 pounds. Instead of taking a 70-pound bow and three turns out of the limb bolts, which 
is going to increase and change brace height and do some different things. Now all you're doing is switching. You're still, I'm at 29 inches and I want a 60 pound mod. I run a lighter arrow setup for turkeys. I'm done. Now I'm going to boost up and I'm going to shoot 65 for a month. Uh, I got some 3d shoots I'm going to, I'm going to shoot 70 and then my elk hunt, you know, if you're a heavy hitter and you want to shoot 75, you can literally takes, I think we we've actually had little challenges in the shop. I think the record is 15 seconds for two mods. It, it, you don't need a press. <laughs> you can wrench on it and, and, and it's super easy, you know, and if you're a guy like me, that has the ability. I have a couple sets of mods in my shop at home so I can, you know, when I'm playing around and doing the perfect arrow build, I can figure out what it is and I'm not taking performance out of the bow because it's going to max out switch weight mods, you know, hands down on that cam, uh, phenomenal aspect of it. And, and, uh, you know, yeah. people who never heard of that when we, when we're doing our sales pitch, you say, you know, I have a bow that'll go from, from realistically 45 or 50 pounds to 77 in that range, you know, they kind of look at your cross-eyed and baffled, like, what are you talking about? Well, then right. we explain the switch weight and, you know, just having that capability is, uh, is huge on the same bow. Yeah. And something unique too is our bows lately have been getting along with a weaker spined arrow. And so how that matches with switch weight is kind of cool. Um, you know, a lot of guys here do exactly what you said, that they're shooting 68, 70 pounds, you know, somewhere around there for whitetails. But every year in August and September when it's hot and they're chasing elk or bigger game, they want to shoot 75. So, like in my case, I'm shooting a 350. I can shoot that out of a 75-pound bow just as good as I can out of my 70-pound bow because our bows have, like, um, you know, a weaker spined arrow. So, in a similar way, if you're if you're doing the 60-pound turkey and you're going to shoot 70 for whitetails, you could almost shoot that lighter 400 grain or 400 spine arrow, let's say, and, and get away with it at 70. And so, because of the way our bows tune, plus with switch weight, it gives you a lot of options. You don't necessarily have to have a 60-pound arrow. You right. Can, because of pop hats and other things that we've designed into it geometry-wise the bow is going to handle it. And so it really is as simple as four screws in and out and, and you're ready to go. And I, we're going to get some emails and some comments on this, you know, especially the guys that uh, think they know what dynamic and static spine of an arrow is. And, Oh, I'm going to put 200 grain uh, inserts in the front and blah, 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 blah. We're not, we're not singling you out. We're not saying, you know, you have to go to a weaker spine. We're saying, the capability and you and I, we could go on a podcast and talk about arrow builds forever and probably, um, you know, disrupt the nest a little bit, but like, especially if we walked into the Matthews plant, it, it's even the ladies that answer the phone, they're sweethearts. They have an idea of what's going on. It, you guys are engineers. You're passionate about it. You, you're not just grabbing arrows that are set up for whatever you you've actually studied it. You've shot it in your range, your tune, like you're saying, top hats, which is another thing that gets overlooked. We can pretty much tune, and then don't get me wrong, I'm not saying a 75-pound, 30-inch uh, draw is going to shoot a 400-spine arrow, but you can get away with a weaker spine arrow, which is going to be lighter, and then have you can create a greater FOC to a point, right, before we're breaking that spine down. Um, there's not a lot of bows on the yeah. market that you can do that with. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, 
we could go deep into arrows. It's something we are passionate about here, but we know I got in trouble on a podcast a couple weeks ago talking about it. So it's a very um, hot topic. I wish it wasn't. Um, mm-hmm. There's some reasons that, you know, we make decisions that we make um, a little bit different than what is popular these days. However, um, the bows are set up to do it. We test them all. And, and so, like you mentioned, with the top hats, with the center pull, the, the knocking points right in the center of the bow, with our cross engine cam, everything um, is built so that in the, in the center guard is a big deal. That gets overlooked, too. Um, all that is built to, to have the arrow come out of the center of the bow and come out clean. And so because of that, uh, we, are, we do have some uh, leeway there with spine, and um, we can make any grip, any release any arrow to a point work right and the the cool thing which makes as as a bow technician in a pro shop you know however many hundreds of thousands of bows we set up as a group literally if i go with the system and i grab an imx rest off the shelf which is already set up at 13 16 center shot burger hole you can measure axle axle find the center of that string give or take a 16th of an inch um Nine times out of 10, when we grab it, shoot it through paper, it's a hole. And eight times out of 10, the consumer shoots it through paper, which we strongly recommend. It's, it's maybe, maybe switching one top hat, maybe. Um, it, you know, as long as we look and diagnose the arrow, everything's, it's just a super easy system. But, but besides going down that hole, like you say, so we don't get in trouble. Um, <laughs> pertaining to the cam, we might as well talk about the stay of field system. Um, it's new to everybody. It's a wonderful design. We've tested it. We've had it and it's not only increased, um, the guys are doing things right. You know, forever and ever, we brought two bows and I probably still will bring two bows, but you're always going to have one that's set up for you that you just absolutely love. If something happens, if the peep twists or you get to where, you know, we're sighting in here at 70 degree weather and we go out to Payson, Arizona and it's, 85 and we're higher altitude and your strings react just a little bit different you can now take your string off put a rotation in it what have you if you happen to slice something accidentally broadhead or you know buck brush or manzanita bush or whatever happens now we have a system you take it out of your pack if you have to switch out your entire string set and cable set everything but the yokes we can do a consumer can do with the proper training Let's talk a little bit about the SAS system. Yeah, this was a passion project of mine. We've had this designed for a few years. Um, I'm hesitant to say how long we've had it, but you know what we what we came out with this year with the SAS does look quite a bit different than where we started. Um, but the reason we sat on it for so long is it had to be safe. It had to work well um, because we have consumers. Um, using it. And so we are really cautious to do it. However, where we landed, I feel, is the perfect blend of, I call it an insurance policy. It's a half an ounce. You throw it in your backpack and you forget about it. And what it does for you is exactly what you said. It's just in the situations we get ourselves in as hunters, um, we're trying to avoid the things that people do already. People use ratchet straps. They stick an Allen wrench in their cam. They do all these things to try to fix it in the field that are extremely dangerous. Yes. Um, but at the core of it is their passion to just stay in the hunt. And we feel that too. Um, you know, we 
we're all hunters ourselves and I'm not coming off a mountain to mm-hmm. fix my bow. I'm going to fix it out right there on the mountain. So the SAS is, you know, that insurance policy. It allows you a safe, easy way to, to work on your bow for situations that happen a lot. You know, some of the use cases um, that we could get into here, are like if you have your backpack on, or if you have your bow on your backpack and you slip and that cam comes down and bashes a rock, um, it's usually fine. However, I've done that plenty of times where I'm, I want to make sure there's not a burr rolled over that though, because if there's a burr rolled over into the, the, um, string groove, you could start wearing that string out and maybe even cut it. And so, you know, I, we used to just hope it wasn't a burr, but now you stop, you take your string off, you check it. If there is a burr, you cut it off with your knife and you put your string back on and you go, you don't even think about it. And, you, you, like you said, you, you nick your string with a, with a broadhead. Um, you know, I, we had a situation where I tagged out early one year in Alberta and I had Derek Nelson from marketing with us and he had a tag in Montana. So we rented a car and drove down to Montana and I handed him my bow. Well, he's got a completely different peep location. He's got all kinds of stuff. So, you know, in a situation where you have to hand your buddy a bow, um, you can change the peep out. You can move the rest cord. You can do all the things that um, you couldn't do before in a in a way that I, in my opinion, this is just my opinion. I do think it's safer than a bow press. You know, step one is back your limbos out four turns. That relieves a ton of pressure on the strings and cables. And then where I think it really shines is the user imparts the force needed to press it. And what I mean by that is. You grab the string physically with your hand. You pull it in, and then you put that thing on, you let go. That means the force needed to put that string on, you did with your hand. You understand exactly how much force that was. You understand how much energy. It makes you cautious. It makes you safe. And it's really not that much because you're backed out four turns. When you're in a bow press, you know, I'm sure you've seen it plenty of times, Wade, how easy it is to overpress the bow. You just keep cranking and cranking. You have no idea how much force is on that especially if an electronic one like mm-hmm. we got, yep. I mean, you could just, you just go with the SAS, you are imparting the force that you need to press it. And so for those reasons, we felt that it finally is in a position where it's safe enough to use in a, you know, an emergency situation. And that's what it's, that's what it's for. Yeah. I think it's a great, great addition. Um, they're very cheap in my mind, like you say, insurance policy, um, you know, if I think back in the last five years, was there a situation where I would have used it? Absolutely. Probably every year. But, and then, and I'm talking in the field, you know, cause we're not at my shop or, or any at my house where I have the instruments and now having it, I, I probably won't even use it, but if I needed it, it's there. And it's a, it's a great addition. I would strongly recommend getting on Matthew's YouTube channel, subscribing to it or on social media. They have videos on how it, it, it's virtually the simplest thing in the world. But if you don't know or have any of your pro shops, just take you through a three minute tutorial because you're going to have different posts for the string, a different post and a post for the cable and the cable. There's two cables and, and a string. So it, it you just got to kind of see it once or do it once. And like you say, you know how much pressure it takes to do this versus that, et cetera. Yeah, and that's a good point. The yeah. SAS comes with a waterproof pouch 
And so you can throw that in your pack, and then in that pouch is the string itself and then an instruction card um, that gives step-by-step -step instructions for when you pull it out and it's been a while since you used it, you can read on there. Now, if you have cell phone service, there's also a QR code like you mentioned. If you hit that QR code, it'll go straight to one of those videos that you're talking about that we put out. Uh, John Scoble did an example of one and really lays out how simple it is, so make sure that um, you are putting it on the right post, you're pulling the right string, all that stuff. So, yeah, that's a good point, Wade. So the SAS system is just the tip of the iceberg when we say integration. Um, a big, big release this year for Matthews. You guys have thought everything through. We have now, there's, there's actually four parts of the system. We're going to start with, the rest has been, you guys have had an integrated system with a dovetail on the back of the riser. I think uh, we've kind of bled that one out a little bit. It's an incredible rest. Now there's other rest companies out there that are following the trend, so on, so be. But QAD and you guys have, it's perfect. It's streamlined, micro-adjust. We don't really need to talk about the rest, but it is there. It's an integrated. The first, start of the, the first step of the system is the integrate rest. Let's move to probably one of the most talked about things on forums, videos, and in the pro shop is the new bridge lock site technology. I uh, love your guys' video. I don't remember the gentleman's name that kind of came to you with this idea, but uh, actually showing the, the prototype of it and then what you guys have gone to. It's a home run. It's the why hasn't it been done forever? I don't know, but uh, it's a huge, huge deal. Let's talk a little bit about the bridge lock. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, the, the bridge lock was kind of the core of this year's design. It let us do a lot of other cool things with accessories. And you're right, Brandon Gann uh, was the guy's name you're talking about. He is head of R&D over at Matt's office. So the way Matthews work is Matt McPherson is the owner and also lead engineer, and he's got a team of guys over across the street from us um, at his R&D facility. Uh, and then um, our group, the design engineering group, is basically a liaison between him and, and manufacturing. And so Brandon walked in my office one day and said, hey, i got to show you something. And if you've seen the video, you saw the first prototype. It, it's just, uh, you know, he drilled two holes into the middle of the riser and put a sight on there, and it's like, this would be kind of cool. And we totally agreed. I mean, it's obviously like a light bulb, just like you. Why hasn't this been done before? Um, but when we were designing it, it became apparent and super important for us that, like, you do not have to go buy a new site. We need this to work with existing sites um, for this thing to be accepted, to be the real, um, a real feature that people are going to want to experience. And so what we were looking at was we, we were trying to find any type of standard in the industry, and we were looking at the dovetail. And to be honest with you, there is no standard on the dovetail. They're all completely different. Every company makes their own thing. It's not even close. And so it was a challenge for us as a design group to how is it possible to take Brandon's idea to get the weight of the site in the middle um, of the bow, clear up the side of the bow, and let it work for existing sites. And what we came up with was the bridge lock shape. So the bridge lock shape is um, kind of a – it's, it accepts a trapezoidal dovetail shape. It's got a flat back wall, and it's got an arc that adapts to all the different shapes that we found in the industry, and then a, a brass tip special set screw, bridge lock set screw um, that's required for the use. But 
Now companies like Excel, SpotHog, HHA, um, Auction Archery, there's a few others out there that are going to slide right in existing parts, and you can put that bridge lock screw in there. And it's as solid, if not more solid, than the brackets that they came with because you now get a wider um, mounting section, so you get the whole riser, um, and you you lose two screws, which are points of failure. If you ever t put on a um, bracket, and you know on your target bow probably, you got to get those things tight because any, if those come loose at all, that whole bracket can move. Now you just have the one screw, um, so you're eliminating points of failure there. And it, what became of it is, like I said, the we now have a solution that works on existing sites, um, so people don't have to buy new sites, and it exposes the entire side of the bow because the rest is now in the middle and the site, the whole side of the bow is clear. And so that gets the center of gravity closer to over top of your hand, which is super important. You talked about sidebars. Um, you know, you will not need as drastic of a sidebar on a bow with bridge lock and the new low pro quivers, which we'll get to in a little bit, uh, because all that weight got squeezed into the middle. Another feature, though, and there's there's actually two that I want to touch on, but one of the main ones is as our risers got thicker and more rigid and stiff, what that did, and the industry went this way, but what that did was the your site housing has to be so far to the left from your mounting surface that it creates a lot of vibration. And so you can imagine if you have a heavy housing sitting out there and you're... Um, quite a ways away from the mounting bracket, which is on the outside of your bow in a dovetail bracket. When you shoot, that housing just, if you see it in slow-mo, it is wagging like crazy. It is the most, it moves the most of anything on your bow. And it's a source of vibration and sound. Um, and so when we move the mounting bracket into the bridge lock, we got the mounting section so close to that housing that it absolutely eliminates that vibration. And so when we talk about a V3X, when you shoot it with the bridge lock sight and a bridge lock or a low pro quiver, it feels like a bare bow. It feels like the bow we test all year through our conographs and our Instron machines and all this stuff. It feels like that bare bow when it's fully set up. And that was the goal. That's what we wanted. When we have a, it, a bow will never feel as good as it does completely bare. Um, is, is our goal, but we want that to feel the same way when you put all the things that should make it worse on it. We want it to make it actually feel better, and that's what Bridgelock succeeded in doing. And it's an, a phenomenal design, and we actually have a, we call him a geek, because he, I don't know if he has an engineering background, but he, he dissects things. It's almost annoying to talk to him, and I won't mention his name, but he's part of Archery Country. He's actually figured out... Um, on a couple different riser configurations over the years, every time that we add an ounce of weight, okay, so you have on a dovetail or your standard fixed back in, let's just say, rewind to 2021 and then from there on, the screws, the mounting bracket, however it may be, and then the thickness of that mounting bracket, for every eighth of an inch, we multiply the weight by, it's a, almost three quarters of an ounce. So we're talking ounces here, but every time that you, if you're a right-handed shooter and you mount the sight on the right, you intensify that almost twice for the weight. 
we can get rid of all that weight. We can put it in the center. And, and I actually had him prove this to me, and then we weighed some stuff out, and then we put it on. I don't know if you, you guys probably have one there, but there, there's a vice that we can help set first, second, third access. And we would watch the bubbles, you know, not just a quarter bubble, but a half bubble for every ounce that we would add to the, the opposing side of the bow. Now you wow. put everything you put everything in really the center. Cool. It is. It was it was eye opening because we all knew it. We just didn't have an answer for it. Now there's an answer, and I'm very very adamant about a bow needs to be weighted correctly. Okay, I've said it on multiple podcasts. If you're a person that comes in and says I need a 3.3 pound bow because I'm going on an elk trip, well, you're you have no understanding of what you're talking about. That you have to have a bow weighted correctly to get the superior accuracy if you're worried about carrying a three pound bow into the backwoods then you're obviously not worried about the 700 pounds of meat that you're hopefully going to take the opposite way so you know erase all that but now we're weighting the bow correctly there's a grip that's centered um and when i say centered look at a bow vertically now we can put a sight in the center the rest in the center uh, your stabilizers. There's a reason that you put the stabilizers where they are, below the grip and in the center. Now, you, and you, like you say, we don't have to offset that weight as much, especially if you use the whole system. Exactly. Yeah, and that is definitely the goal, and you outlined it perfectly. That I got to meet that guy, whoever that is. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll have Fantastic. him call you. Yeah, he's got it all documented. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. That leads us right into the next of the three or four step process. Um, quivers. I've shot Matthew's quivers forever. I always shot the Q light. It was a two piece and we're still putting a ton of them on bows. I think it was one of the lightest two piece quivers on the market. Your arrows were somewhat close to the riser. They were there. I haven't shot a removable quiver in a long, long, long time for the simple fact is I just, you know, the design, the way the arrow cradled, I'd have fletchings that would, you know, they'd vibrate if I had to shoot with it on, if I got stuck or, you know, just taking it off. But now you guys have redesigned. And the very first thing I noticed when we opened up our, uh, our demo packages that we got here, 33 and a 29, and we put the quivers on, like it's actually somewhat shaped and you can get into this, like the, the limb and the cam comes it's so close to the riser that you can shoot in your, let's talk about the removable and the fixed quiver. It's called the low pro. It's a detachable quiver or a fixed inline balance precision, all of that in one word. Let's talk about the low pro quivers. Yeah. So you're exactly right. You know, getting quivers tight to the bow is not a new concept. That's something people have been trying to do since the beginning of bow mounted quivers. The problem was there's always things in the way that, uh, you know, prevented you to, from getting it as close as you'd actually want it. And so with the bridge lock and the integrate rest, we now had an opportunity that we never had before, which was where do the arrows belong? And so when you're coming at a problem from that perspective, um, it's a lot more fun than we got to miss this and we got to take care of that and, you know, we got to make room here we got to say, where do they belong? And so we did, we launched two low pro quivers, one fixed, one detachable. Um, and the fixed was designed to be an even better Q light. I shot the Q light as well. I, I do not take my quiver off my bow. I, 
I always like to have an arrow ready. I set up my bow that way and everything. So the fixed one was um, we were trying to make it even lighter. You mentioned that it was one of the lightest quivers as the Q-Lite. The Q-Lite is 7 ounces. We made this one 6.4 ounces, which is um, a substantial a lightening of that quiver, even though it doesn't sound like that much. Um, we we did not leave any stone unturned in the the weight of that quiver, but the, the coolest part is how close that quiver is. That quiver is as tight as any quiver could possibly be. It's almost touching the riser. Um, with the only gap we left was so it never vibrates and touches. So the fixed quiver, if you keep your quiver on the bow, um, is the, the best solution that there is. It's going to be the lightest, tightest quiver. Now, the detachable was an interesting design uh, problem that we had was you're right, with the regular detachable Matthews quivers, you it did not support the arrows that long, and so there was some vibration, and also it had to stick away from the bow a little bit uh, be, to take uh, into account for the mounting system that we had. So we got a chance to relook at the entire mounting system, take the things that we liked about the Q-Lite and the new low-pro fix, and design a removable quiver that um, is probably the cleanest um, and tightest quiver that there's ever been. Right now, uh, with the detachable, you mount two super minimalistic um, mounting points. Uh, the top drops into the one, and then you have a cam lock lever that slides into a dovetail and cam locks. And when you lock that thing, it is as stiff as that fixed quiver is, which I think is a super important design feature that we took a lot of time making sure that that locks as tight as your quiver. because. When you're crawling through the brush, I use I, I'm usually quiver side down anyway, and so like I'm using my quiver itself uh, to support my weight as I'm crawling and everything. So we think that needs to be super stiff for that, and also when you shoot, we cannot have any vibration in the boat. We take that very seriously. So the locking mechanism, what we came up with, we're super excited about. We we truly spent a lot of time on that design, and it's also a very light removable quiver. Um, it's not as light as the fixed, but it is incredibly light and incredibly close to the bow, and that comes in a five arrow, and the fix is a six arrow. So yeah, two brand new quivers, but the whole story was getting that weight as tight to the bow as possible, so you don't have to uh, put as much on a sidebar as you, you might have used to. And uh, I'm going to be a name dropper right here, and usually I'm not, I'm going to point him out because if you've listened to his podcast, uh, Levi Morgan, who's a very good friend of yours and, and also the company, he, uh, he's very adamant of not shooting with a quiver on your bow. Like he's preached it. I would love to get him off of his podcast onto a different podcast. And now, because you experienced his first experience with everything new and, uh, then what his ideas are now on the quiver aspect. If you did get in a situation where you needed to shoot with it on, there's an answer. You, you, I mean, you could take the removable quiver, like you say, exactly almost like the two piece fixed. It's not going to put you, you're not going to have any problems anymore. You can, you can run it that way. And he has reasoning for it. I mean, he's one of the hands down. You can agree with me. He's probably one of the best archers you know, forever uh, going, and there's reasoning behind it, but we've kind of, we've switched his opinion a little bit. You guys have switched his opinion just a little bit. <laughs> 
Yeah, and you know, you cannot argue with a guy like that with his uh, resume for sure. Um, but we do, um, you know, just like the different lengths of the axle to axle, there's different styles of hunting. And so um, we wanted a solution for both styles that um, did not sacrifice uh, any of the benefits. And so, yeah, I think, I think uh, you definitely, if you're a guy that takes his quiver off every time he shoots, you're going to love the removable. But like you said, the amount of weight, which is super minimal, and how close it is to the riser, our goal was to have that so minimalistic that you might not even know, especially on a fast situation where you had to shoot. Exactly. We, uh, pertaining the bow, I want to talk about colors in just a second. We still have the Engage grip, which we you've incorporated. Um, <clears throat> phenomenal grip. I, I choose to shoot the side plates, just like a little bit thinner profile. Both of them are very comfortable. Uh, there's some aftermarket grips. Nothing has changed on that. So if you had, you know, the side plates from a previous bow, you can slap them on or an aftermarket. Uh, that's worked out. We have the stabilizer bushings in the same spot. The riser has changed just a little bit. Uh, cosmetically, you can see some stuff in there. And then you guys, have, have you trimmed it down a little? Yeah, and the specific part was in the bridging. We were able to widen that and really skeletonize that part. Um, through there and then we did add a an extra rib through the middle of that and it serves two purposes one it stiffens that area uh, because we did remove some stuff in the bridging and then also it gives a back to it's part of the flat back of your your dovetail through the bridge lock so yeah there was some definitely some tweaking that went into that and trying to we're always uh, reevaluating our designs where can we actually change it and help it and all that so there was some changes um, specifically in that site window area the color concept two years ago was it two years ago green ambush was released or was that last year yeah uh, two years ago two years ago yeah uh <clears throat> phenomenal color hit the market sold out of them tons of orders the cool thing about matthews you can customize everything um We'll put that little ad lib in. It'll be attached to this podcast. You can click on the link. The granite color. We had stone. We had stone forever. I've had stone bows. At a distance, it looks black. Uh, but now the granite, it's taken off. Where did that idea come from? Is there is there somebody gets kudos for that, or is it, was it a team? Do you guys throw colors in a pool and just design, or how do you do that? <laughs> yeah. So you're right. The the solid colors have done extremely well for us. And um, the green ambush was, like you said, a home run. It's the one I chose to hunt with. I thought it was a great hunting color, plus it goes with everything. And so it was a goal of ours to make a new solid color, but the story of granite is pretty cool. Um, you know, we did have a bunch of colors we're looking at, and they're all pretty close, but none of them were like, yes, this is the one. And so Matt did what Matt's great at, and he just went after it. So Matt went out to his land and he cut off a piece of white oak bark and just the perfect one and he shaved it off like he's uh delamming you know a log and he, he put, brought it in and we did a color averaging uh sight mapping of it so we took the entire piece of bark and we sent to a place and they did a complete color average so all the dark spots all the light spots we averaged that and what we came up with was granite and what is so cool about granite is in the bright light, it is 
bright. It is a light color. It's like a, a tan gray-ish. Um, but the coolest thing, I think, is when you bring it in a shadow, it darkens like crazy. And so it truly, in my opinion, it's the best hunting solid color that we've had um, that, you know, rivals some camos, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know if it be, it's because it came from nature or what, but um, it is drastic, the difference that that thing can look at, whether you're in a shadow or you're in the sun. And I think it's a really cool uh, color to look at, but also I think it's effective in the field. It's one of the sharpest bows. You know, when it comes down, an archer comes in and they're, they're like, okay, yep, I want to get the 29. And then we say, okay, pick out your color. And now there's always a hot, well, you know, do I match my camos? And then having a, a solid color, this thing looks pretty dang sick with black accents. So we got black pockets, black cams, black grip, and then, you know, accessories usually are in that black color. Besides the low pro quiver you can get to match. It's eye-catching, very eye-catching, you know, on display. And like you say, there's actual there's an actual idea behind it. It's, you know, it's not just a color that you picked out, which I, I kind of had an idea on the story talking to Derek and them guys, but I wanted, you know, I wanted to hear the real setup of it. And it's pretty unique to that. Talking of the colors, a solid, we have black, uh, granite, the green ambush in the camels is real tree edge, first light spectra, um, or specter, sorry, optifade elevated two, and the subalpine, the Sitka setup, and then there's the Under Armour all season that we've brought back, or you guys have brought back. I keep seeing we like I'm part of the team, but you understand where we're going. Uh, V3X, the 29, uh, phenomenal bow. I think for listeners out there, it, it you really just have to shoot them side by side, and we can help you pertaining to your draw length and what you're going to use the bow for. The 29 can be used anywhere. The 33 can be used anywhere. You're not going to run into a situation in a blind or a tree stand like some say because the axle axle is 33. The risers still get your stability. Mark, as always, it is a phenomenal time talking with you. Um, you guys do a great job every year. Glad to be hooked up with the company. Is there anything that we need to add? No, Wade, I appreciate this. Uh, if anyone needs any more information before they come into your store, make sure they go to MatthewsInc.com. Um, but we are so excited to be um, launching this and launching it with partners like you. Uh, we really appreciate everything you bring to your store and, it's more importantly, your customers. So happy and to be on this podcast. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely, buddy. And again, you guys can check out, uh, we'll have the link, matthewsinc.com. You can design your own bows. You can print that off the URL. You can bring it in and we can we can send it to Matthews and get that bow built. You can pick out your colors. You can have different limbs, different risers, all the accessories. You can choose different string colors. You can really doll it up any way that you need to. Mark, uh, we will uh, probably end up talking to you later in the year uh, maybe closer to hunting season if not you one of your other guys is a great team um, thank you to matt and all those on behalf of everybody at archery country we'll see you on down the road thank you for listening to archery country podcast 